Welcome to the Educate, Empower, and Evolve podcast. My name is Haley Vera, and I'm a lifestyle coach with my roots in holistic nutrition, personal training, and yoga. I'm admittedly a total nerd with a huge passion for gut health and optimizing human performance naturally. If you feel like you're drowning in the information available to you online, come hang out with me on the E3 podcast every single week and learn simple, effective strategies to help you balance your hormones, increase your energy, heal your guts, and optimize your mindset. I promise to provide you with science-backed knowledge and new perspectives so that you can make empowered decisions for both your health and happiness and evolve into the best version of yourself possible. Thank you for tuning in and lending me your ears. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the E3 podcast. I'm your host, Haley Vera. And as always, I am excited to be here. If you're new here, then welcome. I am so excited that you're here for today's episode because this is a very powerful and important conversation that we're about to have. And if you're one of my regulars, then welcome back. Thank you so much for dedicating your time and lending me your ears and being a part of this journey with me because podcasting really truly has been a journey. I remember the first episode that I did and I started the intro and stopped and started and stopped and started so many times. But now we're here on episode number 79, which feels absolutely crazy, like almost 80 episodes since I've started the podcast. I've been consistent with recording a podcast every single week, and I have not missed a week for 79 weeks, and that feels pretty damn good. And today's conversation, you guys, I think is a really, really important conversation because so many people out there are struggling with fat loss. And unfortunately, bodybuilding culture is so loud and so relevant in today's society. And what I see a lot of on social media is to make fat loss easier for yourself, try these diet foods, like this diet soda that has quote unquote zero calories, or try this low fat spread, or these Holden Farms sugar-free ketchups or calorie-free sauces or salad dressings. And that to me is terrifying because the truth is that those things are making fat loss so much harder for you. And so for my clients, I want to make fat loss as easy and painless as possible. But with that, I think a lot of people think that easy and painless is like, hey, you can still have all these foods that are zero calorie or low calorie. We can make you low calorie ice cream or we can make you a zero calorie salad dressing. But the reality of that is that those things, those foods, well, I can't even call them foods, those food substitutes are wrecking havoc on your body. They're creating and generating inflammation. They're creating food and sugar addictions. And of course, there are going to be people out there and other coaches and even I would say people that are really high up there who are going to try to dispute this conversation and say that it doesn't matter because it's all about calories in, calories out. And I've butted heads with other people in the industry on this as well, but I know that there are also quite a few coaches who would be on the same page as me. And I am not here to just help you lose five to 10 to 20 pounds, right? I'm here to help you live the best life that you possibly can, to empower you, to help you make choices based on the education and knowledge that you have. So you feel confident in the decisions that you're making with your lifestyle, around food, around exercise, around stress management, with your mindset. And so I'm really here to help you feel more empowered 
And if you want fat loss to be easier for you, then make sure you stick it out through this episode because I'm going to be talking about how to make fat loss easy, but I'm also going to be talking about the power of whole foods and how we can optimize your nutrition strategy to make fat loss easier and permanent. That's the thing is that if we go on these crazy big calorie deficits and all of the foods that we're consuming are empty calories or they are quote unquote low fat or calorie free, you guys, food is meant to have calories in it. That's the whole point of food. And so when we start seeing things like calorie-free salad dressing, like what is in there? That is not even food. That is a like a chemical product that you're putting on your food or that you're consuming. So let's break it down. Let's talk about it. Let's dive into it. And I'm passionate about this because it truly pisses me off when coaches coach from the perspective of if it fits your macros, you can eat whatever you want as long as it fits your macros. I'm like, you're not making dieting easier you're actually making it infinitely fucking harder. Because if you just say, eat whatever you want, whenever you want, as long as it fits your macros, there is no conversation around satiety, around micronutrients and minerals that will give you more energy and help you to metabolize the calories, the carbs, the fats, the proteins that you're eating. There's no reflection on how that actually impacts your digestion. There is no helpful insight into how those foods are actually affecting your gut health and hormones. All there is, is this, you can eat whatever you want. I'm going to help you lose 20 pounds and still eat ice cream and burgers. I'm like, ice cream and burgers are delicious once in a while, but we don't want to encourage people to eat highly processed foods because those foods are designed to make you overeat. And by focusing on those foods and thinking that you can still fit those, quote unquote, fit those into your macros. You're making fat loss infinitely harder. And I want to explain why. So in today's fast-paced world, you guys, I get it. We want quick and easy. Trust me, I understand that. But one thing that I teach my clients is to do meal prep and not meal prep that sucks. Like we're not over here making chicken, broccoli, and rice and eating boring shit. We are spicing up our foods. We're using all kinds of creative recipes that are whole foods based. Yes, recipes take a tiny little bit more time but we provide easy to follow grocery shopping lists and meal plan blueprints and meal plan templates for our clients that allow them to enjoy food and enjoy the foods that they love. And so we have like food preferences and all of these different things that we take into consideration when we're designing meal plans that are customized. But most of the time what happens in the fitness industry nowadays is that coaches get lazy straight up and they're going to give you, here's your calories, Here's your carbs, here's your fats, here's your protein. Meet these targets, eat whatever you want. I don't care. Have a grenade bar to, you know, toss in some halo ice cream and just make sure that it fits your macros. So I'm on the other side of the fence and I'm over here. Hey, do you want fat loss to be easier? Do you want to have good gut health? Do you want to have good energy? Do you want to have a good sex life? Like all of those things rely on healthy hormones and healthy gut function. And all of the foods that are hyper palatable and processed and even things like protein bars, you guys, are making fat loss infinitely harder and they're disrupting your natural body's, I want to say energy systems. That's probably the best way for me to put it. They're disrupting or blocking your energy systems and creating low energy, mood swings, anxiety, brain fog, headaches, skin conditions. And I think the reason I'm so passionate about this is that I struggled with all of that. And it was less, less related to me eating junk food and more related to the fact that my gut health was really messed up from five years of antibiotic use when I was a teenager. But the antibiotics that I was on were for acne, which I get still. I eat a lot of dairy. I just have a dairy intolerance. And a lot of people, if they struggle with acne, get them off sugar 
get them off dairy, reduce gluten in their diet, and their skin's going to start clearing up. So let's, let's dive into this. There's so many diet plans and weight loss strategies out there, but the ones that freak me out the most are the ones that are, if it fits your macros, things like premier protein, or is it pure protein, where it's basically just very low calorie and a few protein fruit, a few highly processed protein drinks throughout the day. Those freak me out because I know that they're not creating a a platform or a foundation for long-term fat loss. All they're doing is getting you quick results that are not going to last. You're likely to gain the weight back, if not gain it back more. And you're also going to feel even more fatigued, more frustrated, more lethargic, have shittier workouts if those are the foods that you're consuming on a regular basis. There's a lot of scientific evidence behind the detrimental effects of processed foods. And I want to highlight a few of those in this podcast. And I'm also going to dive into a couple of important hormones. So we're going to talk about NPY, neuropeptide Y, and PYY in regulating appetite and how whole foods can actually positively impact that function. So you feel more satisfied and less hungry, which is going to make fat loss infinitely easier for you. So let's talk about a few of the studies first, just so we can kind of like wake you up. I want to give you guys a little bit of like a metaphorical shake. So in 2015, the World Health Organization made a significant announcement regarding processed meats, categorizing them as carcinogenic. And the term processed meat refers to the meat that has undergone various treatments, such as salting, curing, smoking, fermentation, etc., to enhance the flavor or improve the preservation of it. Now, unfortunately, other people have attacked this and said meat is bad. This is really unfair because what they're studying is processed meat. We see things in there like nitrates, and we also see compounds in there. I was looking at the back of a beef jerky packet at the airport, and it's like some kind of hydrolyzed corn protein. You look up that specific ingredient, and it has correlations to like asthma and arthritis, headaches, joint pain, and it also has also is included in a lot of like skin and hair products, which is kind of freaky, right? That that's in our food. So meat is not carcinogenic. I'm going to straight up just say that right now. But processed meats definitely have inflammatory effects because of their processing that they go through. And those process, the processing that they undergo can have a really negative impact on how our body actually responds to those foods. In this, the classification was based on an extensive evaluation of over 800 studies by a group of 22 scientists from the International Agency of Research on Cancer Working Group. The strongest evidence linked processed meats to colorectal cancer, followed by stomach cancer. The next one, research from the Nurses Health Study and Health Professional Follow-Up Study conducted an analysis that revealed a connection between a higher consumption of ultra-processed foods, including processed meats and potato chips, and weight gain over a four-year period. Other studies also indicate that an increased intake of ultra-processed food is associated with a higher risk of nutrient deficiencies. That's kind of a no-brainer to me, but we're going to get into it anyways. An evaluation of the dietary habits of over 9,000 participants in the, the NHANES cohort in the United States Nurses Health Study and Health Professionals Follow-Up Study. So then the NHANES cohort in the United States found that the higher consumption of ultra-processed foods correlated with greater intake of refined carbs, added sugars, and saturated fats, while simultaneously leading to decreased intake of essential nutrients, such as fiber, zinc, potassium, phosphorus, magnesium, calcium, and vitamins A, C, D, and E. And if you want me to get into each of those specific nutrients, if I, you want, I can talk about zinc for an entire podcast. I can talk about potassium for an entire podcast. I have talked about magnesium for an entire podcast. I've actually talked about vitamin A for an entire podcast and vitamin D. 
So these individual nutrients are so important that they deserve podcasts of their fucking own. They stand alone in importance. Like vitamin E is the only true free radical scavenger in our body, meaning it is protecting you against inflammatory aging. So another study, you guys, 20,000 Spanish university graduates in the University of Navarra demonstrated that higher consumption, more than four servings per day, this is very high, of ultra-processed foods led to a 62% increased risk of death from any cause, so all-cause mortality, compared to lower consumption, less than two servings per day, so half of that. Additionally, each additional daily serving of ultra-processed food was associated with an 18% increased risk of death. Now, of course, someone's going to be out there saying correlation isn't causation. Okay, sure, that's great. But I'm going to take a look at this and say, hey, you know what? These correlations in these studies are definitely a reason to raise an eyebrow and to be curious about the foods that you're putting into your body and at least have a level of concern around the foods that you are eating, right? So another one, last one, and then we'll get into a little bit more of the downfall of processed foods. So this is a 2019 randomized control trial aimed to examine whether ultra-processed foods as classified under the NOVA system. So there's a NOVA food classification that kind of shows you kind of red all the way up to like their green foods of what is highly processed versus more natural. So that's the NOVA food classification. You can Google it. It's just a very simple outline of food processing. So it could lead to increased food intake. And this is actually a really interesting study that I was looking at when I wrote an Instagram post recently. So 10 men and 10 women, so 20 people randomly assigned to receive either an ultra-processed diet or an unprocessed diet for only 14 days, followed by 14 more days of the alternate diet. So they'd switch. Both diets were equal in terms of calorie, sugar, fat, and fiber, and other nutrients. And the participants were allowed to eat as much or as little as they desired. The results showed that participants consumed approximately 500 more calories per day on the ultra-processed diet and experienced around two pounds of weight gain. Imagine that over a year. That's one pound per week. A year of that could be 50 pounds of weight gain. Let's say that you weren't eating that amount of processed food every day. Maybe it's 10 to 20 pounds. How many of you guys have gotten, you know, three, four, five years into your life and then, holy shit, I gained 40 pounds. That is entirely possible on a whole food diet because you don't even notice that you're eating more food. The additional calories primarily came from carbs and fats, meaning they weren't increasing their protein when they were eating this, which is probably a really big downfall of our food decisions around processed food is that we're less likely to eat high protein options and more likely to have the less satiating uh, foods that are refined carbohydrate saturated fats. So when participants switched to the unprocessed diet, they consumed fewer calories and lost the gained weight. Interestingly, the appetite surveys during the study did not indicate significant differences in levels of hunger, fullness, and satisfaction between the two diets, although participants tended to eat faster on the ultra-processed food diet, so they consumed calories more quickly, and they consumed on average 500 more calories than when they ate whole foods. So if you want fat loss to be infinitely fucking harder for yourself, go ahead and focus on if it fits your macros, you get out there and you smash back some of those low-fat, low-calorie dessert options, and I can promise you, and you, you want to fit McDonald's into your macros too, I can promise you it's going to be way harder to lose weight. So let's talk about the downfall of processed foods, you guys. There's a few studies. I just wanted to prove that I'm not talking out my ass just because I'm a holistic nutrition coach. There's a lot of research on this. And even though someone like Lane Norton may come out and say, hey, correlation isn't causation, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to raise an eyebrow with that because that definitely is something that we need to start paying attention to is the quality of our foods because we have a society that's becoming unhealthier by the day. 
So processed foods, typically higher in added sugars, you guys, and high in highly processed fats, usually things like trans fats, vegetable oils that are highly inflammatory, seed oils. Those would be things like your canola oil, for example, and artificial additives. A lot of them also have fillers. And some of these fillers are terrifying. When you start looking up what else they're in, they're often in cosmetic products, like hair products and things like that. Some of them are even in chemical cleaners. It blows my mind. So I'm not going to dive into each individual ingredient. I feel like that would be a fun podcast though, is to just grab a, like a, let's just call it like the premier protein drink and to go through the ingredients on that and to talk about each ingredient. That would be a fun podcast. I need to do that. I think review some nutrition labels for you guys. So with that, let's just talk a little bit about how this can hinder your weight loss. So number one is the decrease in satiety. So a lot of studies show that processed foods tend to be less satiating than whole foods. And this means despite consuming a similar number of calories, you're more likely to feel still hungry after you eat processed foods or lack of satisfaction so that you're going to reach for more, leading to overeating and increased calorie intake. This makes fat loss so much harder when you're not hungry, not satisfied. And that can have to do with nutrient deficiency in the food. So your body's still craving more. It can also do have to do with the blood sugar levels that result from highly refined carbohydrates and sugars in processed food. You're going to spike your blood sugar levels and they're going to come crashing down, leaving your body craving more food to try and regulate or balance back out your blood sugar again. Number two is increased hunger. So not only are we decreasing the satiety, but on the other side, we're actually flipping the switch and increasing the hunger. So the refined carbs and sugars disrupt our blood sugar, like I mentioned, and this leads to frequent hunger cravings. These rapid spikes and crashes in the blood glucose result in an increased appetite, making it harder to stick to those calorie-restricted diets. So if you're in a calorie restriction and you're struggling, try incorporating more whole foods and less processed foods, less protein bars, less like quick, quick and easy foods, sandwiches, things like that, that are maybe made with like white bread or white buns, for example, like I'm just going to pick on McDonald's a little bit here, but like a French fry and a burger, very high in calories, very low in nutrients and very readily available sugars. So in contrast, you guys, whole foods and lean proteins or incorporating lean proteins will provide a more stable release of energy and reduce the likelihood of you overeating. Number three is accelerated eating speed. This one blows my mind. They've actually studied this. Processed food leads to a 50% increase in eating speed. That's wild compared to consuming whole foods. So rapid eating can contribute to overeating because we don't have enough time to register fullness. It takes about 20 minutes. You can smash back that little burger in, you know, a couple of minutes easily and then go for something else, reach for something else, reach for another serving of fries or decide that you want to have an ice cream for dessert, right? So we eat way more quickly. We don't register that we're full and we keep eating. Increased inflammation is number four. Now this one I want to focus on a little bit more because the inflammation is really going to be what I would consider as gut-derived inflammation, where we end up disrupting the delicate balance of the gut microbiome with the highly processed foods and some of the ingredients that can be more, I, I want to say harmful, but I think that's probably the best word because some of those compounds in the processed food can actually damage or kill our beneficial bacteria. And sugar is something that fuels a lot of negative gram bacteria, which will often end up in a negative gram bacteria overgrowth. And when we have that, we end up with what we call lipopolysaccharides floating around our bloodstream. And lipopolysaccharides are essentially the outer cell wall of a bacteria. 
and they're the most inflammatory compound in the body. And they raise our inflammatory markers. They create this cytokine storm where we have all of these pro-inflammatory proteins in the body. And those can affect things like your insulin sensitivity. So now you're not responding as well to the sugars that you're eating. And that means that we're going to be more at risk for things like type 2 diabetes. We're going to be at a higher risk for insulin resistance, which can put us at risk for hormone imbalances like PCOS, but it's also going to put us at a higher risk for metabolic syndrome, right? For obesity. So inflammation itself promotes things like obesity. That's just as simple as it is. And fat tissue is something that, this is a funny conversation because it's a very vicious cycle. And I promise you, once you lose some weight, like it gets easier. So when we have excess body fat, we end up producing more inflammation and we disrupt our hunger and satiety signaling. Extra body weight on you will actually drive up your leptin. And your leptin is your satiety hormone, but unfortunately, it doesn't make you feel more full. It creates leptin resistance, meaning your body stops listening to the signal of fullness. So when you're overweight, it's easier to overeat. And it seems so entirely unfair, and I get it. So that's why I sympathize with people who have reached that point of what we consider to be obesity or a body fat percentage that has become harmful to their own well-being and longevity and where the body fat is working against them. It is hard. It is a hard cycle to break. But if that's something you're struggling with and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, holy fuck, that's me. Like I cannot lose weight. It's so difficult. I have so many food cravings. I'm always hungry. I'm always inflamed. I'm always tired and I don't know what to do. Shoot me a message, DM me, evolve, and I will see what I can do to help because I get it. I understand the hormones and the science behind this, and it sucks. Like it truly sucks. But we can make it easier by lowering the inflammatory markers in your body, by working on improving your diet. And with that, it's going to be easier to lose the body fat. And when you lose body fat, it's going to be easier and easier and easier to keep it off and maintain a healthy body weight. So decrease micronutrient availability. This one to me, like, just screams obvious. Like, of course, of course, that's. That's the thing. But I I don't know if it is that obvious, right? Like, let's say, for example, you grab like a Holden Farms fake sauce, like a calorie-free sauce. That has zero nutrients in it. And it's going to be packed full of chemical additives and artificial sweeteners, which unfortunately still disrupt your insulin sensitivity. And that can lead us to, again, insulin resistance and further problems with our metabolism of carbohydrates. But when we strip our food of natural nutrients, a lot of these like flowers and things like that are actually bleached, chemically processed to the point that, that our foods are being bleached. We get a loss of the essential vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. And those are what are so important for the actual metabolism of our carbs, fats, and proteins. So when we lose those micronutrients, we really struggle to metabolize our foods well. We struggle with our energy levels and we struggle with our hormone balance and overall health. So when we have more whole foods, we have a better variety of nutrients for optimal function. And that can actually aid in weight management and fat loss. If you are nutrient deficient, there are going to be metabolic issues, things that you struggle. Like for example, the, the difficulty in breaking down carbohydrates, that can even just come down to being like, let's just talk about one simple thing. Magnesium. Okay. That is one, one essential mineral. There's 13. I think I said that right. Maybe it's 13 vitamins. So with magnesium, you guys, it's one, but it's so important for blood sugar regulation and the metabolism of carbohydrates. So if we are deficient in magnesium, that one thing can affect fat loss, but imagine all of the different vitamins and minerals. Now I want to know exactly how many minerals are there. 
I'm going to Google it. So how many minerals are there? I was like, I know the answer to this. Um, so 22 essential to health. And our minerals, you guys are including things like magnesium, like I said, calcium, sodium, and iron. So it's 13 vitamins and 22 minerals. There's 60 minerals that they've discovered in the body, apparently, but 22 that are deemed essential for our health. And our last point here for processed foods making fat loss harder is the calorie consumption. And I've already talked about that in the study that we discussed, but because our bodies are actually primed to find foods that are calorically dense from a survival mechanism or from like our adaptation from surviving feast and famine has designed us to be attracted to calorie dense foods. Unfortunately, foods are processed to trick your brain and they are engineered to be more palatable and easier to overconsume because guess what? Those food companies want to make money off of you. That is right. They want you to be addicted and they want you to buy more of their products. So guess what? They are studying the science. They are figuring out how you work and they are designing their foods to make you overeat. And it kind of pisses me off because that is leading to a pandemic of obesity and very unhealthy society. So the combination of sugars and fats and artificial flavorings, there's a disconnect in our brain between the amount of calories, feeling of fullness and satiety, right? So this can result in higher calorie intake without a corresponding increase in satisfaction. So whole foods, you guys, vegetables, fruits, lean proteins, organic grains tend to be lower in caloric density, higher in fiber. So we have less we have more calories consumed. Let's say, for example, for broccoli. Broccoli has a very low net calorie intake, meaning that there's a lot of fiber in it and we don't actually process those calories for energy. Our gut bacteria are going to digest the fibers or utilize the fibers for themselves. And those fibers, they actually produce byproducts called short chain fatty acids that are really important anti-inflammatory molecules, actually, interestingly enough, so fiber is really important for our health, managing inflammation, and we want to up our fiber intake as much as possible here. And for, I, I'm not going to dive into like the numbers and stuff, but I know it's over 25 grams a day for women and I think 35 for men. So the next thing I want to chat about is NPY and PYY in appetite regulation. So we've talked about hunger and satiety a little bit here, but these two hormones play a crucial process, crucial role in this process. So neuropeptide Y is a hormone produced in the brain that stimulates our appetite and increases food intake, okay? Studies have shown that the consumption of processed foods, high in refined sugars and fats, stimulate the release of NPY and increase hunger and cravings. This can make it challenging to control food intake and achieve fat loss. Stress also increases NPY. So if we're stressed, busy, on the go, burnt out, and opting for the easy, most calorically dense option, guess what? You're making fat loss so hard for yourself rather than just stopping at the grocery store or making a healthy choice when you're eating out. And we have tools for that at Health Pillars for our clients because it's not easy and I understand that. And a more challenging today is going to make for an infinitely easier tomorrow. So if you can make the decision today to do meal prep, to focus on whole foods, to make that decision when you go out for dinner, to have a good protein source and some good clean carbohydrates on the side, maybe you're having the chicken breast and maybe you're, you know, enjoying some like rice or a stir fry or something like that when you're eating out instead of a white bun that's highly processed with some processed meats, like deep fried and covered in cheese, and then a serving of French fries, right? With vegetable oils and seed oils that are inflammatory. If you can incorporate more whole foods, you will be a lot better off. 
and you'll find that you are not as hungry and you won't have as many food cravings. Now, the PYY, peptide YY, is a hormone produced in our gastrointestinal tract that suppresses appetite. So it's released in response to the consumption of whole foods, especially those high in protein and fiber, which is why when we have a high protein, high fiber diet, we feel more satisfied and it reduces our desire to eat. So if you focus on spreading out protein throughout the day and eating a serving of protein with every meal, you look for foods that are higher in fiber, fruits, vegetables, organic grains, you can actually promote the release of PYY and enhance feelings of fullness and satisfaction. And you have lower net calories because calories in a chocolate bar, you are going to absorb all that shit. Calories in broccoli or calories even in apple, there's a fiber content where we can actually talk about net calories. And you're actually getting less calories from whole foods because some of them are coming from fiber. Does that make sense? So the power of whole foods, you guys, we have the NPY inhibition, whole foods rich in fiber, healthy fats, lean proteins, inhibit the release of NPY and produce the stimulation of the appetite stimulating hormone. And this can help help with a greater sense of control around your eating habits, making it easier to adhere to a calorie controlled diet if you're focused on fat loss. Now, again, with the PYY stimulation, whole foods, like I mentioned, stimulate release of PYY in the gastrointestinal tract and can help you to prevent overeating. Now, I'm not here telling you that you can never enjoy a chocolate bar, have ice cream, or eat a burger again. That is not the purpose of this podcast. And holy shit, if that's what you took away from this, I'm sorry, because that was not my intention. I believe that if you want fat loss to be easier for you, that we want to reduce the amount of processed foods, especially while you're in a calorie deficit, optimize, especially when you're getting less food, less calories in, we want to maximize the amount of nutrients, fiber that we're getting from that so that when we are finished our diet, our body is healthy hormonally. We aren't completely crashed, exhausted, and burnt out. And we're able to reverse diet and slowly start bringing back in some of those quote unquote fun foods. And it becomes easier to have more flexibility in your diet. But if you are doing a calorie deficit for fat loss purposes, the calorie deficit, yes, is the most important part. But I would argue that if you're going into a calorie deficit, you should have that little conversation with yourself self-discipline and understand that it might be a little bit harder today, but if you give up that instant gratification for the long-term reward and long-term benefit of eating whole foods, you will find that you not only have a shorter phase of fat loss, meaning you don't have to diet for as long, you will not have as many slip-ups, mistakes, unintentional refeed days, closet binges, weekend you know, blowouts, you'll have a lot less of that if you can focus on whole foods. Now, the best way that I look at this and the way I explain it to my clients is that we want to always feel empowered and not restricted. If you tell yourself you can't have something, you immediately want it. And so instead of saying, well, I can't have those foods, it's just a choice, right? I'm choosing not to. I'm choosing myself. I'm choosing to lose weight. This is the choice that I'm making. And in order to make that easier for myself, I'm going to choose to do meal prep and focus more on whole foods. And then I can choose to incorporate some of these fun foods when I feel that it makes sense. Now, for me personally, I like to keep those fun foods to a minimum, things like refined carbohydrates, sugars, vegetable oils, seed oils. I like to minimize that in my diet as much as possible, even when I'm not in a calorie deficit. But it's even more important, you guys when you are in one. So I hope this was helpful. I hope this made sense to you. And I hope this encourages you to take a look at your diet with 
an open mind. You be curious. Don't be mean to yourself after you listen to this. So important that you approach yourself with genuine curiosity. Like, hey, how can I make this better for you? Instead of you suck. I hear it all the time where people are like trashing themselves, right? And it's, you're not broken because you have some days where you overeat sugar. You're not a bad person because you binge eat. Those are a product, or it's like a product of the environment essentially that we're in high stress, high pressure, hustle culture, easily accessible, highly palatable, processed, hyper-processed foods that make our lives infinitely more difficult because we're dealing with these hormone imbalances and gut health issues that affect our mood regulation and our ability to have healthy conversations and good relationships. It goes way beyond food, you guys. This spills over into everything in your life. Your ability to have a good conversation, right? If you are frustrated, irritable, exhausted, how are you going to be there for the other people in your life and have a good connection with them? Oftentimes we are so disconnected from our own bodies that we don't even know how foods make us feel. And so you need to start paying a little bit more attention to the foods you eat and how you feel after you eat them. And be curious about that because the more curious you are, like genuine curiosity without judgment, the easier it will be to, to make good decisions. If you're sitting there judging yourself, good decisions become hard. But if you're there with genuine curiosity and meeting yourself where you're at, if you're eating like processed foods for three meals a day right now, hey, don't beat yourself up for it. Take a second to reflect and see where you can start to improve. And I always tell my clients it's 1% better. So that's it for today's episode. I hope this was helpful. Thank you guys so much for, again, lending me your ears. I know that time is precious. And so I really do appreciate the time that you spend with me. Have an incredible day. And I hope to catch you on the next episode of the E3 podcast. Peace, love, and personal growth. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E3 podcast. I had so much fun sharing my knowledge with you, and I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If you found value in this episode, the number one thing that you can do to support the show is share this episode on your social media platforms or leave a review. If you'd like to find out about the lifestyle programs I offer online, go to healthpillars.ca and click apply today to fill out an application for coaching. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Peace, love, and personal growth.